0: Tell Me Your Story, the Sophia series, exploring the depths of myth and wisdom. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Thank you so much for joining us on the program. Very special guests that we have here. And a reminder that you can hear this program at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday, uh, Sundays and 1 a.m. Monday mornings. You can hear hear the archives at richarddugan.com, the radio show's page. You can also uh, go to our guest's website. We'll be giving that information out. This is fascinating because when we're talking with folks who are involved, not only with the Ojai Foundation, but um, with the the Joseph Campbell Institute and the connection that they share. And I want to welcome Adam Rumack and Miriam Joy to our program. And I want to thank both of you for joining us on the program. I appreciate you taking so much time out of your busy schedules to talk to us about the Ojai Foundation and the Joseph Campbell Institute and the connection that you folks have, as well as the two institutions, if you will, uh, have with one another and uh, helping to educate us further about not only uh, the aspects of m- mythology, but also the importance uh, therein. So maybe each of you could uh, give us a brief introduction of yourselves. Uh, what what relationship do the two of you have? Uh, start with you, Miriam. Have uh, that you have with both the OHI Foundation and the um, Joseph Campbell Institute.
1: Thank you. It's so good to be here and to talk about this work that I'm so passionate about. Um, I am with Adam, the um, co-director of the OHI Foundation, and uh, our relationship with the Joseph Campbell Institute has been a long one, a 40-year or just over 30-year relationship um, that has been developing in different ways and uh, at the moment uh, is one of exploring... How mythology can be translated into um, positive action, both individually and as groups in the world we live in today.
0: Adam?
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, as Miriam said, co director of the Ohio Foundation, um, having been involved there for uh, in a leadership role for about five years and first arrived at the age of 18 on a youth rights passage program. Um, and yeah, as, uh, as Miriam mentioned, um, Joseph Campbell was highly influential uh, himself in the early days of the Yoha Foundation, um, and we carry that forward up to this day.
0: Well, I know that uh, from my perspective, uh, doing these programs, especially the series we did uh, in 2014, and we're going to continue these programs as we move forward into 2017, Um I did not receive the kind of what I believe was the, a, a, a full education, both elementary or high school, and I didn't really think about it, let alone pursue it in college, uh, as far as the aspects of mythology. And, and so one of the first things I'd like for the two of you to address, and we'll start with you, Adam, is why are we talking about Joseph Campbell as opposed to the philosophers of old, mm. why is he so important?
2: Well, I think what what Joseph Campbell um, brings in, uh, his work brings into the world, and it's and it's very related to the Yohai Foundation, um, is a translation for modern times. Um, a, a, the Yohai Foundation um, brings a lot of very very old traditions, very cross cultural. Human traditions um, and uh, applies them to our our daily lives. So we have a a tagline that we often bring forward or use with our logo, called, which is timely, timeless wisdom, timely action. Um, so I think that's why it, I think Joseph Campbell also um, was able to bring some of these themes that are just human um, and show how they apply to the modern and modern contemporary issues that we're facing, which is very much what the, the Ohio Foundation's work.
0: And uh, Miriam, how about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think one of the big things that strikes me about this particular time in the world is that, you know, it's, it's kind of like we, we, people went through a period or culture went through, society went through a period of individuation. You know, individuation in terms of what is our way of being and how do we connect as our community and you know the problems that we face today are beyond us being able to stay and operate in those individuated communities I mean, the environmental problems the societal problems you know the fact that you know the sort of the sort of weapons that we carry now um, necessitate us to operate outside of those um, those communities and the work that Joseph Campbell did Um, was to look at lots of different mythologies and to help us understand what I like to call the bare bones of of what was in operation, what our our commonalities are across those different cultures, across different religions, across different ways that we've understood ourselves. Um, And that's really what mythology is about. It's a way of understanding ourselves. So Joseph Campbell helped us to see that we as human beings have a common way of understanding ourselves that reaches across perhaps what we see as um, differences. In fact, differences that have created wars. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 um, it's really it's in, it's important work now because of the problems that we face. Um, and 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 in in many ways, at the core of what the Ojai Foundation is doing.
0: You know, I think about the various mythological stories, uh, if you will, that that I do, I am aware of. I, I didn't take any courses in it other than this one, the Mythosophia course with Will Lynn, uh, Dr. Will Lynn, uh, uh, over the last few years, and I'm very grateful to him for his uh, educating me in this regard. But I, I'm not that familiar with uh, other, other cultural mythologies and I, I'm familiar with, for example, some of the mythology uh, uh, of, say, Australia, which I believe you are from, where you are from, uh, Miriam? Yeah, correct. I am from and, Australia. And obviously we know we know of the Greek and the Roman myths and so forth and the Greek gods and so forth. I'm not aware of any North American mythology, um, Russian mythology. I, I never was in Chinese mythology and in, in in terms of the cultures the, the 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 diverse um uh shall we say races around the planet uh and obviously there are similarities there I, I i and so i'm going to go there rather than say so what are the differences that would take 10,000 years to to describe what are the major similarities in the mythologies uh, around the globe
1: um you know <laughs> you know it's it's a really that's such a big question okay, because you can approach it from different areas. so yeah. Joseph Campbell's work is a really good example because you know one of the main pieces he chose was of course, the hero's journey, mm-hmm. which was kind of the mythic journey of the hero um, and yet we work with one of the elders that we work with, Jack Zimmerman, um, you know he we we, we talk a lot what well, we talk, you know, every couple of weeks with him, he's mentoring Adam and I. And, you know, the work that we're doing at the Go High Foundation is actually a disruption of the hero's journey of this idea of this, this person, this single person who goes out and kind of like goes on this, um, you know, in the outer world, at least on this mythological journey to save, um, you know, to save a culture, a society, you know, um, or ultimately themselves, um, and, you know, he said at the end of Joseph Campbell's life, he, you know, one of the things that that Jacks was talking about was that, you know, he, you know, what about working in intimate pairs or in groups? You know, where's that? How does that come into these mythologies? And it was really interesting because at the end of Joseph Campbell's life, he came around to that. So I guess this is a long winded way of saying, you know, I want to kind of like, you know, I'm thinking of Joseph Campbell's work, but then I go back to, you know, a related school that we're part of called the School of Lost Borders um, and to the work at the OHI Foundation, which is a lot about, you know, the mythologies that come about in groups or in society or in culture. So, you know, what we again call the bare bones of a rite of passage, you know, these sort of initiation rites which help us understand our connection to nature, our connection to um, as a community, our roles in that, and our roles of like the different roles of the elder and the younger and the middler, and how they all operate in order for us to really um, have meaningful meaningful markers of of and uh, that that um, that help us understand our lives and move through the transitions of our lives, um, and. Um, and in the School of Lost Borders, again, it's a similar thing to Meredith Little, who started the, and Stephen Foster, who who are who are the founders there. They worked with um, an anthropologist, um, another anthropologist, again, to look at to look around the world at these different, again, these different rights. And then we have also associated with the Ohi Foundation. We of course have Council, which again, Jack Zimmerman and Gigi Coyle again looked at all around the world, the ways that we have sat in circle to connect to each other, to something beyond ourselves. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that the practices we have here at the Ohio Foundation are very much a mixture, both along with the kind of the work that came out of the Joseph, you know, Joseph Campbell's legacy um, in terms of, you know, the individual healing journey, I guess, you know, the hero within ourselves, which is really how it's used so much these days, you know, the, the, the hero's journey of finding ourselves and finding our, our soul, I guess, yeah. um, and our calling. Um, but alongside that, we also have this kind of initiation, this rite of passage work, which is all about recognizing ourselves as, um great that's my alarm (laughs) recognizing ourselves as as part of nature and in the cycle of nature and how we how we as a community recognize that and assist each other in that and then you know this the working council which again is is the bare bones and comes out of um out of this idea of how we how we work together um in that way so yeah that's kind of
0: 100%. Adam, let me ask you. Uh, I, I, I'm hoping I'm asking you the right questions here, in regards to the Ohi Foundation. What is its for those who are listening to this and, and they're rather intrigued by this? They would like to follow up. What is the role and purpose of the Ohi Foundation?
2: The our mission, the mission of the Ohi Foundation is to foster practices that awaken connection <clears throat> and. Um, and what we see is that through that connection, that we the world that we want to live in is one that um, is filled with care, you know, care for each other, care for our planet, um, for, and represented in community, um, and um, and where we feel connected with all of life. And we trust that through that through those practices and through that vision, that we'll come to a place where um, we may actually survive as a species on this planet and be. Um, and make a better life for the for the next generations. So the things that we really hold onto and teach and share, whether it's um, the right of passage, um, or council, or land stewardship, uh, whether it's permaculture, etc., are all um, pointing towards uh, an embodied sense of connection. And so our purpose is to teach those as a you know as a really a, in an experiential way.
0: And and. As someone who is familiar with some of the uh, some of the teachings going back a few years, there's one that says that there's nothing new under the sun, and in a manner of speaking, it's all been said. So how? How do you, the Ohi Foundation, and I think maybe, uh, Miriam, you kind of uh, put, put a nice spin on it as far as the, the Campbell Institute, the Joseph Campbell Institute. Um, maybe that's the answer there, but uh, I'll put the question out anyway. How do you put a new spin on it, or is that generally the whole purpose of this is so that it will elicit and awaken and incite, so to speak, or inspire individuals to want to, investigate and want to become a part of this i'll put it storytelling uh, again to to the goals that you've just talked about as far as the ohi foundation is concerned
2: yeah so i'm not sure about the word uh or the the phrase new spin i think it comes back to that idea of the timeless wisdom and that's nothing new under the sun that what we know as human beings we have access to inherently you know Mm -hmm. um it's really a matter of remembering, um, and I think to get to the place where we remember our connection to all things. That we, It's not that we're making new connections, um, it's that we're remembering what's already there. So um, as Miriam said, bare bones, um, getting back to the essence, and I think that's what Joseph Campbell did in terms of his um, outlining of the hero's journey. It's what uh, School of Lost Borders and others have done, and the OI Foundation have done in terms of na- um, Presenting the basics of a the basic kind of cross cultural aspects of a rite of passage, um, the basic uh, form of a circle, um, and then finding the ways that we as an organization as and as a network of organizations, um, are, how how we can bring these ancient practices these human practices into the places that need to remember that connection most, whether it's um, youth coming to our land uh, in Ohi or uh, through our partners taking council practice into um, prisons or um, into um, organizations, et cetera. So it's more about finding the right, um, how to present the ancient practices, the timeless wisdom, um, in a way that the modern world, contemporary world, can, can apply it where it's needed most.
0: Marianne?
1: Uh, yeah, just to add to that, it's just, you know, I'm kind of circling back to where we started a little bit, you know, coming back to, you know, the way Joseph Campbell's work created a common human, a way for us to recognise a common human identity. So, you know, by coming to these bare bones of ritualised ways that we come together, the opportunity is that people from different cultural or religious traditions um, can meet in that kind of common form. So it's not even it's not even uh, uh, teaching, as in terms of what it's like. What Adam said, it's an experience. So in this common form, they can we can come together um, and experience our, our similarities just in the form itself. Oh, yeah, I've sat in a circle before. They do this back in this way, back where I am. Oh, yeah, I've used circle in this way. Mm-hmm. So the form creates a way for us to come together. And within that form, we have an ability to uh, be in our differences as well and ultimately uh, in those differences be able to imagine and create something which is which is, which is beyond what we currently know. So this idea of um, collective wisdom comes into play. Um, and ultimately, I think in Joseph Campbell's work, you know, the mythology that he created was an, was to enable this kind of personal journey of taking people onto another level of personal healing and, and, and to have a way, a form to guide them through that. Well, similarly, with some of the work that we're doing here at the Ojai Foundation, we have forms in which to assist people to go beyond perhaps the the solutions that you know we're in a place now where we need to go beyond we need this this joining together so that we can go beyond Um, the solutions that we're coming up with because they're not working. I mean, I think there's a general recognition of that.
0: Yeah, well, that's what this program is all about, uh, looking for new paradigms for a new world, trying to find those new ways of living because as I, and I couldn't agree with you more, the old ways don't work and just look around you. And that brings to mind, and and I'm I'm not going to get in any way, shape or form partisanly political here, but after what we went through in 2016, 2015, 16, in our election cycle, uh, circles were made. But they weren't made for uh, a productivity or for um, a positive discourse or for bringing peoples together. And that seemed and it didn't and it didn't matter which side you were on, quite honestly. And uh, it seems to me like we've got a long way to go. It sounds like the Ohio Foundation and, of course, the Joseph Campbell Institute. Uh, are wanting to foster as you've used that the term the uh, circle or multiple circles for that matter again to bring people together i use the, uh, the, the the symbol of the circle in the reference to trying to understand something there's an event that takes place in the center of the circle and your job as the observer is to move around that circle in as to as many points on that circle to get as broad a perspective of what's going on as you can before you make a decision before you make a choice let's talk a little bit about that
1: yeah i I, oh you go adams
2: Uh, and that's an essential um you know kind of outcome of practicing counsel is that we begin to see ourselves as a um as just one uh perspective of many um we use the a a very another very cross-cultural um, model or map of the medicine wheel or wheel of life—it's called different things in different cultures—and um, ours comes from a specific culture um, that's been adapted in many ways um, to different, um, to different. Um, what am I? What am I trying to say? To different contexts. Yeah, different contexts. Um, and council itself is an embodiment of that. So we might be doing that as an individual making a decision, as an organization we are working toward. Um, as Miriam said, collective wisdom through forms of decision-making that are circle-based for that very reason that you just spoke to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and we can also do this as a, yeah, as an organization. So um, very much looking to embody that and, and spread that and share that in ways that are structurally relevant to our times.
0: In my experiences in my lifetime, um, uh, I had the great privilege of being for a period of time, about a year and a half, a member of the Baha'i faith. And I loved the, the, the circles that they created, this councils of nine at all the different levels along the way up to international and that uh, as a member, you accepted certain things. Now you, you have to be told these things up front beforehand as, as you go in. But if you become a member of this council of nine at whatever local city, national or international level, Um, you're there to help to, you know, solve problems for people. Someone might come to you and say, hey, I have this issue. Can you help me? And the council says, well, sure, we'll do what we can. And so the nine sit and they debate and they come up with ideas. And once your idea is placed out on the table, it's no longer yours. It belongs to the group. And that even though there may be a vote of five to four, the four go along because that is what you do. But that doesn't mean that it's written in stone because this person could come back and say, hey, that didn't work. Could you try again? And, and of course they will. Uh, but there there's the setting aside of the ego, the, the self in that respect that, you know, I'm here to serve, not to take credit, not to do any of these things. And so I'm just I, I would assume that. Your counsel is uh, of the same uh, basic uh, mindset and thread.
2: Yeah, I I mean. We don't see it as, uh, we don't use the word ego or see it as a, uh, we we try to avoid words that are um, either implicitly kind of spiritual or about um, any spiritual outcome. mm -hmm. You know, we want to make this as relevant as possible to communities that in particular don't have space for that, type of awareness. Um, and, and we'll want to make it kind of, you know, outside of that, but very right. similar in its outcome, I would say.
0: And there are ways of doing that. So, okay. So you've opened up another doorway, uh, in terms of terminology, in terms of, you know, you, some would say, well, you're just playing semantics because you're just going to find another word to say the same thing. But it's like you just said, uh, the, the word, certain words have certain energy, uh, charged energy. They're charged energetically. Uh, and so you need to come up with uh, some others. And, uh, obviously that is one of the downfalls of the spoken language is that, uh, you know, it, it is rather inferior to, to non-verbals, if you will. Yeah. Let's talk. Go ahead. Go ahead, Miriam.
1: I, yeah, I think one of the things that, uh, um, is true is that in the end it's that the words don't get in the way. Okay. They don't, they don't exclude anyone. So the idea of the bare bones, again going back to that term, mm-hmm. is that you you strip it back to the point where, just like in Joseph Campbell's work, it can be the bare bones, and that people can then add a cultural context or in their own communities, if you like, so that so that it doesn't exclude at all, um, and it still has the idea of service. Like going back to the Baha example, mm-hmm. you know, at the center of the at the center in the center, the center is is basically you know two things it's first of all that that being of service to that which is beyond the people who are sitting there in the circle that which is you know the seven generations mm-hmm. that that the people beyond your lifetime you know so that that that's that idea of service is really at the center and the other part of it is of course you know that you know it's it's that kind of spoken in many different ways but the idea that when we gather together that that which comes out of our gathering together is beyond any individual in the group so the mystery the the creativity you know that that's exactly again what you're describing in in the baja you know mm-hmm. terms so you know the concepts are still the same and the language you know that the ongoing you know it's not there's no stop point for this the ongoing challenge is to continue to find language that doesn't get in the way of That doesn't exclude anyone um, that allows all to sit there and feel included or, um, you know, and that's that doesn't that's ongoing, you know, because language is language isn't static. Language
0: moves. Yeah, I'm noticing with all of the acronyms in texting, (laughs) it's and, and of course, now we have the emojis, which are. A whole different language, and, and I'm still trying to figure out what some of these things are. This is fascinating to me, and I'm curious uh, as to this this concept, if you will, of the circle. Uh, you, you're using it, of course, uh, within the confines, the context of the Ohio Foundation and the Joseph Campbell Institute. How is this being spread, if you will, a shared outside of this realm. Uh, are, are there examples you can point to of other parts of the country or parts of the world where this is being, A, taught, and B, used in a very practical uh, fashion in other parts of, uh, of this world?
2: Yeah, that's um, actually quite easy uh, uh, because there it's happening in so many different contexts and in so many different ways. Um we're, I'm actually in Australia at the moment as we speak, and what brought me here on this journey uh, in part was to train uh, men from all over the country who are doing men's rights to passage work um, in the council forum, as it's taught by the Yohai Foundation. Um, and coming up, Miriam and I will be back here in uh, in 2017 to, to do a number of these trainings. So across the, the Pacific Ocean, um, it's happening. It's happening in 16, are uh, being shared and practiced in at least 16 California state prisons um, through the Center for Counsel, um, one of our partner organizations that was kind of brought into the world through the Ohio Foundation. Um, a major tech company um, is a is one of our um, primary clients of the Ohio Foundation and supports a lot of the work we do, and they're using it all over the world in their offices as a way of um, Building a unifying culture in the organization and one that will support their the creativity of their organization and the individuals. Um, so in all of these contexts, you know we share we share these basic elements. Um, we share the elements of the circle, a center, a talking piece, um, a threshold in and a threshold out of the practice, um, and um, kind of four intentions. And we share it, we share it in, with humility and kind of a uh, a caveat that that it's the responsibility of each of these communities or organizations to find the language that works for them as they practice it and as they share it. Um, and I think just to loop back a little bit to the idea of, of semantics is, I think one of the things that we mean when we say deep listening, which is something that we uh, practice at the Ohio Foundation, or um, at least we talk about it, um, is to listen beyond uh, the language. So uh, in a rite of passage that's in the wilderness, we may sit for four days and four nights um, and listen to the earth and listen to all the non-human life around us. In a, and obviously, we're not listening, listening in English. We're listening for something that goes beyond language. And likewise, when we uh, go take counsel into uh, to another country, another culture, uh, whether that's um, a prison or uh, organization, we're listening uh, for what will serve um, beyond the words, and asking that those who are using counsel as we teach it, to also listen in that same way for what what will serve their communities in the language that they use, et cetera. So,
0: well, the way you just des- the way you describe that. it, uh, it it makes it sound as though, even though I understood what you were saying earlier as far as um, uh, the terminology that I was using, uh, but it. It puts it for me anyway into the context of a, a spiritual experience, uh, because uh, and again with this program, that's what what we deal with here on Tell Me Your Story as well is is the more metaphysical, if you will, or esoteric aspects of life and living and and so forth. And listening to the Earth is not, uh, at least by modern society's measure, um, a normal <laughs> a normal event. You just don't do that. You don't have time. You're too busy with your electronics. But I can attest to to the necessity for it. Uh, I can also attest to the fact that I don't do it enough. Uh, But I think we're very fortunate when we live here on the central coast um, to have the have the opportunity to get to places where you can do that. Uh, But it it sounds to me like there is that spiritual aspect to this.
2: Well, there, you know, the separation of. Spiritual practice and and daily life is something that, I, in my understanding, is pretty recent, um, and there, you know, we talk about that for days as well. Um, so to separate out things like uh, ritual, um, to separate out things like uh, our emotional world, um, our inner life, um, the the uh, daily um, seasonal. Uh, changes that go on all around us um, on the planet, from you know our our kind of you know quote unquote real life, um is something that's very that's recent and it's particular to our um, time in history, and I think we can call that we can call all of that spirituality if we're if that's the world that we're living in and that's the context in which we're speaking, mm-hmm. but what, I think what we're saying and I think what Joseph Campbell was pointing to is that actually no these are just human this is what it is to be a to be fully human. Um, And and that's what we're hoping to, you know, and this is a process that we're in as an organization and that we're in as um, people that are um, supporting this work in the world, is how do we uh, make it so this isn't like a spiritual practice as separate from our daily life, but something that actually can be integrated into the fabric of of our modern contemporary human culture.
1: Yeah. I just want to add to that because it just, interconnectedness is the word that keeps on coming as Adam was talking, you know, it's that, you know, we are interconnected both within ourselves, you know, in terms of, you know, but also that it's, you know, the the, the illusion of separation from nature that we, you know, as you point to that sometimes we live in is actually partly what's, well, it is a, a, a large part the root of the issues that we face Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the interconnection of recognizing, remembering um, our interconnectedness um, and that in, it, in its very essence is why we do resist a little bit calling it a spiritual practice or, mm-hmm. or we call it a practice, mm-hmm. but we tend not to put the word spiritual behind it because it's also an emotional practice. It's also a mm-hmm. mind practice, a mindfulness practice. and. You know, we really, you know, and again, also in, in the center of collective wisdom is the, the practice of collective wisdom at the center of that as well. It's also this idea and, and this practice of recognizing that we are all interconnected. So um, and that, that and interconnected with, you know, more and more as I go through my time at the Ohi Foundation and as I seep into these practices, you know, those things that are the esoteric are becoming daily. And, you know, I wonder, even with the way that we define the esoteric, I wonder whether if we went right back, you know, and I, and I you know, as I kind of get, get more educated around indigenous, you know, early indigenous practices, it seemed like the esoteric was not, was just the way it was. It wasn't, again, wasn't separated out. So yeah. it's kind of all of these concepts. Um, that come from, actually, language, and I need to define things. Well, it's partly loosening our hold on them a little bit.
0: I would agree, and I, I remember um, uh, reading, uh, of course, the specifically the, the four Gospels of the New Testament and reading about all of the things that uh, the the character Jesus did, and I thought, well, for him, that was normal. That was just what he did. It wasn't anything special to him, but everybody else around him thought, oh, wow, this is like a magician here. Here's a sorcerer or something. Uh, and I tend to agree with you on that, that, that there comes a point when, yeah, there are going to be things that we will do, whether it's just sitting. And you and, and Adam and many other folks as well there at the Ojai Foundation, you have one, because uh, I've been there, uh, and you folks have one of the most incredible spaces uh, to s- stop and listen, uh, all, you know, literally hourly, if not daily, Um, it's, it's what a remarkable space, but it's not the only one, but it is sure nice.
2: Yeah. And I want to just take another take on this too, for, um, it's become very clear that, uh, the lifestyle that we're living, um, as individuals and collectively is, uh, not serving us in very basic ways. I mean, um, when we talk about, uh, stress and all of the diseases that come uh, from stress, uh, you know, having a practice like council where we can take a, or a place like the Ohio Foundation where we can take a moment um, to pause, uh, to listen to each other, to listen to um, what's going on inside of us um, can actually mean our survival, our physical survival. Um, you know, it can mean, and we believe that, of course, that uh, it may mean the survival of communities of um, of the planet, or actually, probably more likely, human species on this planet. Um, so, I think when we're talking to, you know, for example, um, uh, organizational leaders or um, prison wardens, uh, we're looking at this ba- as um, basic survival tools. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we get to the point where we can actually live a healthy life, um, treat our family right, et cetera? And that can that may be a spiritual practice, but to me, it's also just basic. Um, you know, basic health.
0: It becomes, yeah, it becomes the, It also at one point, as we're saying, it will become the norm. It'll just be the way things are done because it works. Uh, It's what I've said about Chinese medicine. It's been around 5,000 years. There was no FDA. They just knew that it worked and they've been using it ever since. Uh, and so it's, as you folks have, have shared with us, that's getting back to these things that have worked over the years. In terms of um, uh, the the American mythology, I was referring to it at the front end of the program. Uh, would we be primarily looking at the various indigenous or native tribes, uh, Indian tribes here in the United States and looking to their stories as the North American mythology or is there something older than that that we can learn from?
2: Well, I, when you right. say, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Miriam.
1: I was just going to say, when you say we, I'm really interested in the we. Um So Richard, could you, when you say we can learn from, do you mean the people who are living currently?
0: The people in- who are living currently, who are trying to find those, Again, those new in, ways of living in this country.
1: It, yeah. And and so I kind of like immediately, th- I find that really interesting because, you know, one of the things that I've got a, a woman that I work with who is um, an Islamic woman and is moved here. And, you know, in Australia, we have the same multicultural kind of environment. And in, and in North America, there is very much um, a multicultural environment. So I'm always interested in the question of we, mm-hmm. because I wonder, I wonder as much as, you know, the I guess the question that comes up for me is we look to the mythology of that, the practices that were on this land
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and also, I guess, what there is also this thing of the practices that we carry through, I guess, our cultural heritage, which come from such a variety of places in North America because so many people have come from so many different places around the world.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's this kind of interaction of those two things um, that make, you know, is the we that joins us together is 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 uh, the land and also um, I guess the the you know the Constitution if you like sure um, and so yeah I'm, it's an interesting question for me of of looking at uh, so it, I don't know and I think it's important at this time particularly in the kind of in in where we're going politically and in what's coming up with some of the <laughs> some of the conversations that are sure, coming up as sure. Trump comes into office and mm-hmm who, who is the we that we're defining and, and, you know, that's, and, and, and I, I guess one of the things that, that it makes me think about is that one of the movements that we're involved in is actually a new story. Um, and okay. so maybe the new story is a, uh, is again, um, you know, and this idea in, in gathering together, um, you know, when we think about the new story and our imagination, it's, it's, It's kind of a step on from, again, this individuation of one mythology leading us into finding a way that we can listen to what the mythology has been and what it needs to grow into now. Mm. Um, And that's part of what the new story is. It's partly, yeah, uh, the lineage of what's been in the past, but it's also like we need to also open our imaginations up into possibilities because if we believe, and this is part of the esoteric tradition, that it is our imaginations that actually create the world that we live in, then partly it's lineage and partly it's coming together to imagine that um, and to manifest it.
0: Well, I use this analogy of a lifeboat, and this lifeboat will hold seven and a half billion people. There's only one caveat. You have to be willing to let go of the old ways of doing things. and, and Because where we're going on this lifeboat, we're not going to use those old ways. And we don't want to leave anybody behind. We want to have everybody join us. But if you want to live by the old ways, well, you know, it's it's just not going to work. Uh, and we don't want to... I, honestly, I don't want to exclude anybody. But, I, you know, it's like you can't force people to do things they don't want to do. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the first rule of, of survival is take care of number one. You know, and if I don't take care of me, I can't help you. Um, so there are a lot of dynamics uh, going on in that regard. And so it's like... And I, maybe this is an impossibility to find the one story that <laughs> that will bring us all together and, and, and get everybody to understand that it's all of us or none in a manner of speaking. It's, it's really what it comes down to uh, as far as the survival, not of the planet, but of the species of us of as human beings collectively that we,
2: yeah, I love this question actually. And I, and I've been, one of the things that has been, um, know, it's been a kind of a mantra for me lately in regards to the, you know, the current political situation Mm -hmm. in the United States and the one that led up to the election results was um, that, you know, America is a great experiment and it's a pretty recently uh, born great experiment. And I think it's one that's very related to council. And so we often ask um, as council facilitators or trainers, like, what's at the center of this group? What's at the and we're not here to to come and share okay here we are we don't come in and say we are all connected, interconnected right or we are all one or we all share the same destiny or uh, you know that would be i think dishonest to the process what we share is um kind of a general form that will support the community or, or the organization or the group to find to listen together for what is their shared story or their shared purpose mm-hmm. or their shared destiny and I think to the extent that we can do that as a um, human race, uh, it will mean our survival or not. Um, and I think actually that the the uh, constitution of the United States and the, at least in its intention that democracy um, as its practice in the United States was meant to foster that kind of um, very messy, <laughs> yeah. very uncertain, um, process of of listening for a way forward. And so to say, okay, we should look at this mythology or that mythology, or the Native Americans had it right and we've got it wrong, um, I think is actually uh, a reiteration of the problem that got the the, um, divisive Mm -hmm. and dual thinking that got us where we are now. And the possibility that um, the challenges are presenting us now for a new way forward are actually just to me, in the process and in the form, to go back to, okay, why why are we in this experiment in the first place?
0: Is there a, does the does the question and you're talking about going bare bones here? Does the question come up and asked repeatedly of an individual, let, let alone a group? What is it that you really want? Now, maybe first of all, it might be something rather superficial. But the more you ask the question, the more they ponder. The question, the more they get down to the bare bones, if you will, of what it is they really want, you know, and it has nothing to do with other individuals. What do you really want? Do you want the civilization to survive and thrive? Because a lot of people are tired of uh, consuming, producing and living paycheck to paycheck. They'd like to enjoy their lives. And there are folks who are coming up with ideas to be able to do that uh, but then there are others who say no we want to stay with the status quo we want to go back to the 50s in some instances I mean, I've heard that over the years so can that is that a valid question in this context of getting to the root of an individual or a group saying what is it that you really really want I mean deep down kind of thing Miriam
1: I'm so sorry. Um, I am in the midst of needing to go. I'm so sorry. So I was listening to you, and I'm also gathering my things. Um, so I'm going to okay. – can I leave you with – I'm
0: still listening, but okay. can I let a- Adam answer that? Sure, sure. Go ahead. Adam, can you uh, can you talk about that?
2: So is the question, do we ask that? Do we ask that? It, is it or? is it
0: a relevant question? Is it pertinent to the conversation uh, to – Kind of help to bring us together by dealing with the core, I mean the root of what is it that we really, really want?
2: I'm just thinking about that question right now and and how we um, how we would ask that question, I think is not to go uh, to ask it in that way okay. um, because that it automatically goes into uh, that there that there's an answer. To that question mm-hmm. that is somewhat somehow static and if I want something that you don't want um, we've we've created a division right so as a collective to create the space where each of us can maybe listen for what um, is needed now or what would serve um, the the collective the community the the nation the world um, it would take longer and we probably wouldn't directly ask that question okay you know, so that the idea of like what did, what is our common destiny I think gets to that or what's at the center of the circle mm-hmm. um, I think is a way of asking what do we want um, and I don't think we can do that with our minds alone or with a with an answerable question but to I, I think you pointed to this as well to continue to continually ask that question as an individual and ask what do I want what do we or actually in the way that we say it as council trainers is what would serve me now? Right. What would serve the circle or the community okay. and what would serve the greater good? And that's a different thing than what do I want, at least in the way that we've been trained to ask that question is uh, in Western culture. Which
0: I, and I, That's why I love these conversations because it it enlightens me as well. So that is a better question in terms of what will serve me and what will serve the circle, the community and so forth. And that's really and it, where I was headed with this question because Um, you know, do, you know, what do you want? I want a new car. No, 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 no. I mean, really, really, what do you want? And then, I mean, you've got to keep going down. So the word service is a much better uh, focal point in that respect so that we can get to that point where maybe we can find solutions collectively, regardless of our superficial differences, you know, and I say that respectfully, because I don't mean that disparagingly by any means. Uh, But by our uh, instead, of you know, so that, you know, you can have your differences, but there is a commonality that we need to come to in order to move our society forward, because every four years in this country or sometimes eight, uh, you have a change in transition. And and a lot of what was done in the last four or eight years is undone within 100 days. And then the new cycle begins. And then another four or eight years later. It's undone again. And it's like it's like uh, two steps forward and two steps back almost. And we don't seem to be getting anywhere. And, and that's more on a governmental level. But it happens in business, too. It happens in in all, all different realms of our of our lives. And so I guess we need to find a solution, find a way to move two steps forward and two steps forward or even one step forward or a half a step, but keep moving forward and not go backward.
2: Yeah, and I think when you know inherent in that that way of asking the question is that actually what will serve me? It, that it serves all three of those categories. So it's you know there's a way that we can kind of want to annihilate ourselves in order in service of a community as martyrs or you know in full uh, in kind of a full altruism.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but actually, in the as you you spoke to this before. In the what will serve me, what will serve the the community, what will serve the greater good? Mm-hmm. You know, we recognize that actually we, we need each other. We also need ourselves, and we're, we're here in service of something greater than um, all than both of those things. So, um, I just would um, love to know that our that the people in leadership, um, whether it's of an organization or of a of a country or beyond that, mm-hmm. are asking those kind of questions, um, not as not necessarily in an answerable way um but one that they continue to ask again
0: and again at least uh, to give them something to ponder i mean, yeah like you say you know we're not looking for an answer here we're asking you to think about it
1: and i think um sorry i'm just just what's really coming up to me is i that that's exactly my experience of stepping into co-directorship with adam because mm-hmm. from a practical efficiency point of view like you know, um, you know, task-based point of view, you know, to have two people not co doing, you know, not 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 sharing a job, but two people doing the same job doesn't make sense in one in one way, in our efficiency model. Mm-hmm. But what I've found and what I recognize today, because Adam is in Australia and I'm here at the OHI Foundation, is that that it's it's in Adam and I kind of sitting together in council, carrying the questions and carrying Carrying, carrying the questions basically of this organization of our purpose and listening together, that I feel like so much more efficiency is created because we get right, we get more to the essence of things. Whereas when I'm doing it on my own, um, I feel like I'm kind of running around in circles a little bit, which points directly to you know, how do we move forward? So that if I use my logical brain in the efficiency model, I feel like the way I think logically to move forward isn't always the most efficient way to move forward and can sometimes just drive me around in the same problems. And um, yeah, so I feel like that's been a really interesting discover- discovery for me personally, having for the first time sort of sat in this kind of co-directorship mode at the Ohio Foundation.
0: You know, that is, uh, uh, I, I love that because that's the way uh, a lot of relationships function when they're functioning optimally. Uh, especially and i speak specifically of couples uh in in intimate relationships uh where they've been together for a long time and they start to you know they may not you know um end the other person's sentences but they bring to the dynamic uh their different attributes that complement one another. that sounds to me like what you're describing miriam that the two of you 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 complement each other uh you're not duplicating anything you're Unified toward again, sort of a a single purpose and goal.
1: Yeah, and it's also the ability to carry the questions. I think in a different way to when I carry them on my own. Mm -hmm. So it's it's bringing that level of intimacy to the to the questions and the decision making, particularly in the area of leadership. You know, having led many organizations and worked with many leaders, um, you know, it is different when two people are together. The way that you carry maybe
0: questions that you would carry on your own. Um. Hmm. It's very fascinating. I, and, and it's not something that we've uh, um, uh, neglected in, in past programs, but it is something that uh, I think needs to be repeated, uh, you know, when, you, when you're coming together in community, whether it's two or more. Uh, there, it, it just seems to me uh, a critical, vital uh, to find the commonality so that the, the collective can work towards dealing with the various issues uh, to move the community forward towards some collective purpose and goal, if you will. Or, you know, again, as I've, I've used, I use the word th- to thrive rather than just survive uh, as a, a community, as a civilization, period. But, I mean, right now there's so much turmoil on the planet, you know, you sometimes wonder, is this ever going to end? Well, you folks, I think, are doing great work um, uh, in, in trying to foster some solutions, some processes make, uh, that are being made available to help people to become more educated uh, uh, about, again, the new ways of living.
2: I would just—I've uh, been sitting with the question for a few months now. What, what would it be if Hillary and Trump were actually in co-directorship, co-presidency of the United States? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of blown away in this revelation that Miriam and I, and actually a, a number of other organizations, we've noticed have um, have been stepping into this way of um, of leading in in uh, pairs. Mm-hmm. Um, what? How is it that you know, for such a big job as being the president, that there's only one man with, or well, men to this point, right? Um, that is given so much power and so much authority. And who would want that job?
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
2: and what a paradigm shift it would be to just say, okay, let's have two from both sides of the, from both sides of the table. You know, to actually have to come together and make decisions in twos um, or threes even. And that in itself would would transform so much in our of the so many of the issues that we're facing
0: I I couldn't agree with you more and and you know it's certainly a new idea and uh, we're all about considering new possibilities and uh, just because we've never done it before doesn't mean we can't I make the comment about our our current uh, not only national but global economic structure who said that it has to be this way this is the only one we've tried for God knows how long there are other people who have come up with other formulas, but nobody wants to try them because, oh, it, it's too scary, or, or whatever, the, whatever the reasons against are, and and it's like, wow, let's we need to we need to start. I, I want to say thinking outside the box. I want to throw the box away. That's what I'd like to do, and just start fresh with some new, uh, for, with some new thought, new ideas, and uh, that would be so exciting for us. I know that we're uh, we're all uh, running uh, getting ready to run short of time here and I have three final questions I would really like to ask the three the two of you before we wrap up here and i want to thank both of you for uh, taking time uh to to share with us this has been extraordinary and i want to have you back on the program uh if that means that i come out to the Ojai foundation with my uh recording device and we sit at a, at a table and we continue this conversation i would love to do that or even have you folks come in studio here at the radio station we would love that Great. Uh, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to bounce the question back and forth. I'm going to start with you, Miriam, and then that gives you a, a moment or two, Adam, to think of your response if you'd like. Uh, Miriam, my first question to you is, who is Miriam Joy?
1: Um, I, at this moment, I'm a mother going to pick up my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like to be cheeky and say that because, um, yeah, sometimes when people ask me who I am, Um, my motherhood doesn't come in, but yeah, I'm a mother of three, um, and, uh, and, and a woman who cares deeply, um, and loves, loves this planet and loves, um, loves life, um, and believes that, um, heaven is on earth and, uh, yeah, that's me.
0: And Adam, who is Adam Rumack?
2: I think, um, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a really good student and um, a student of life with curiosity and um, all the messiness that comes with lifelong learning.
0: Mm. Adam, I'm going to ask you the second question and this is uh, from an individual perspective. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now?
2: If I can make a even a small contribution to, um, uh, to peacefulness um, in an individual, a community, an organization, or even possibly maybe in the world, I would have felt successful. Um, that's what it comes down to, to me, to, um, that we can find ways to bridge the things that we think divide us. And remember, as Miriam said, that we're connected with all of life, And that we can live in the the peace that comes with that knowing. That's my hope.
0: And Miriam, what is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you, as an individual, are doing now?
1: Just those, you know, those moments where you you can feel that love is at the essence of everything. And you know, I've had those moments before, and just that's it. If my work and and if I can hollow myself out enough for people to experience those moments individually as communities and and that I can experience them myself of love um, in an experience, then yeah, that that's that I'm smiling as I say it, because Mm -hmm. that makes my heart sing.
0: And Miriam, finally, what is your life's purpose?
1: Um, I recently did a vision quest and uh, what came out was to open door to spirit and to open our hearts to the possibility of heaven on earth. So I'm just going to steal from my vision quest intention.
0: <laughs> and Adam, what is your life's purpose?
2: Well, I think it's pretty much what I said in answer to your last question, um, uh, which is falls all under the header of peace. Peacemaker in my own heart, uh, in the the people that I meet, or as a peacemaking um, force in the people that I meet in the relationships, communities, etc. So,
0: well, I look forward to uh, uh, meeting the two of you in person, especially uh, uh, you, Adam, when you get back from Australia. Uh, And uh, we will make plans to do just that and make a trip out to the Ohi Foundation because uh, I I would love to meet you. And again, I'd love to continue this conversation. And uh, you guys, you folks are doing extraordinary work there through the uh, Joseph Campbell Institute. And um, uh, again, I thank you so much for for not only what you're doing, but for sharing with us here on the program.
2: It's an honor to join you and and to be asking these questions with you. Thank you so much for having us.
0: And Miriam, go ahead, Miriam.
1: I just was going to say what he said.
0: Okay, <laughs> and uh, how would people get in touch with? What's the best way? The OHI Foundation and/or the Joseph Campbell Institute.
1: I think the web, our website, ohifoundation.org, um, is the best way, and you can sign up. There's a newsletter there. You can also become a member. Um, you'll see the connection to the Joseph Campbell Institute there. They do roundtables up at the foundation. Um, so, yeah, that's really the best way to find out more about what we do, become a member, join the, join the e-newsletter, check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, and, and, um, and you'll, you'll get a feel for what, what we're up to.
0: Great. Adam and Miriam, thank you once again for joining us here on the program. I'm Richard Dugan. This has been Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until next time, love to lull.